From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg. Grab a stool and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told. And you are among friends. We're going to focus on Iran for the better part of this program tonight. Coming up very shortly, a regular feature with the discoverer of reverse speech, David John Oates. He's standing by live from Australia with some interesting reversals on U.S. officials or from U.S. officials concerning the recent events involving the conflict with Iran. Then towards the bottom of the hour... Retired U.S. Army Lieutenant Colonel Robert McGinnis will be here to discuss Iran. Uh, was it a good idea, in his estimation, for the U.S. to target Qasem Soleimani? We'll talk about certain rumors floating around concerning what Soleimani may have been up to when he arrived in Baghdad. And we'll also get into the horrible uh, situation, the downing of the Ukrainian airliner killing all 176 aboard, including 57 Canadian citizens, uh, by the Iranians. Over the last several months, David John Oates, the discoverer of reverse speech, has joined us. The second show of every month in the first hour, and he's revealed the inner thoughts of the unconscious mind of hardened criminals, celebrities, historical figures, politicians. And uh, in so doing, has revealed on this program some pretty startling findings. He is, of course, with us again tonight, and I gave David an assignment earlier this week. I, I said, David, let's see if you can find any interesting telling reversals from any U.S. politicians or intelligence or military people, cabinet secretaries, etc., relating to the recent events in Iran. And as always, David went to work, rolled up his sleeves, and uh, poured through or went through hours of audio from press conferences and interviews. And uh, he's here right now with the findings. Now, I haven't heard any of these. I don't know anything about uh, what we're going to hear. I don't know who we're going to hear from. So this ought to be real interesting. David is, I say, the discoverer of reverse speech. He's the author of several books on the topic, including It's Only a Metaphor, Beyond Backward Masking, Reverse Speech, A New Theory About Language, and Reverse Speech Voices from the Unconscious. He's also the co-host of the podcast Reverse Speech Radio. David, how are you? I'm doing great, Richard. How are you in this new year, 2020? Here we are. Yes, indeed. Hard to believe. Now, i got to ask you, before we get rolling with uh, Iran, uh, have you been affected at all by the wildfires where you are? Uh, well, not personally. No, no, I'm in the city of Adelaide. We've got some fires in the hills, but around around Adelaide, city but i'm in the suburbs but the real threat is on the east coast of new south wales and victoria they're, right they're, although kangaroo island which is just a hundred miles south of me is uh, half gone i mean just tragic i i went camping there just last year on kangaroo island beautiful place can't believe it's half gone were due to fires and the loss of property and human loss and that they estimate a half a billion wildlife have been lost. In That's just staggering, staggering. Uh, staggering. But you're finally getting some rain, I understand. Uh, yeah, uh, slowly. Uh, temperatures are down a little bit today. You know, we'll see. We'll see. It's not. It's not enough yet. But uh, we've got. We've got some. 
but and and what did you make um maybe you can um maybe confirm what maybe something that you've heard we've been we've been hearing about climate change uh and how this was the result of climate change for so long and and then we're starting to hear about all of these arrests for arson in Australia, yeah. and, and some have tried yeah. to deny it. They say, "Well, that was just that was Twitter bots or something." Uh, oh, fake, no, fake news. Been, uh, they've arrested eighty people so far for deliberately starting fires. Oh no, this has been this this has been majority majority of these fires are arson. It's not climate change. Sorry, and, and disappoint folks on that one. No, uh, I, I wasn't. I wasn't. Uh, I can't say that I was shocked. Um, but. Uh, have you read anything in the Australian or heard anything in the Australian media about motives? Did these people want to, did, were they trying to, um, to try and, you know, get people to think that it was climate change? Were they, were they climate no. change activists? What, who are they? No, no motive. No motive. No, no, I haven't seen anything about it. All, all I know is that there have been 80 arrests for deliberately setting fires. That's, that's all I know. Right. Yeah. Is, I mean, how can anyone do that? I mean, I, I just don't understand the mentality that can even think about doing something like that. No. Uh, and the um, now you, foreign firefighters starting to arrive. I saw the uh, reports of the That's U.S. Right. firefighters and so forth. That's right. Yes. Yes. Well, Australia's firefighters are stretched to are stretched to the limit. I mean, you know, we're, 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 all our resources are maxed out to the. So yeah, we we need all the help we can get. Yeah. Yes, well, let's hope that rain continues to fall. Yeah, it's a great tragedy for Australia. It really is. Well, on to from one tragedy to another, um, and the these recent events is things seem to have simmered down somewhat between the yes, United States they, and Iran. Yes, they do. I was half expecting all that water breakout when Iran started firing missiles at U.S. bases in Iraq, but it didn't. And uh, Trump, uh, Trump um, didn't respond. Well, at least not militarily. He responded with sanctions. So, um, found some interesting reversals on the whole thing. I haven't. I'm only just sort of looking through them now. Um, but uh, it seems that they, the U.S. administration, thinks they make the wrong decision, which I'm surprised about because. Uh, I would have thought they were quite sure. So let's look at let's look at one on Trump that talks about this. Here he is justifying the killing of Soleimani. Yes. Here we go. We have the best intelligence in the world. If Americans anywhere are threatened, we have all of those targets already fully identified, and I am ready and prepared to take whatever action is necessary. And that in particular refers to Iran. Okay, so uh, he's speaking quite strong, but backwards he says, "Error, we serve you." Error, we serve you. Error, we serve you. Error, we serve you. So that's strange. That's um, crystal it's... clear. That's an that's a grade A reversal. Yes, error, so we serve you. Yes, it is. So what's the error? And, uh, you know, I mean, he's speaking quite strongly forward, you know, about taking military action, but backwards, we're serving an error. This is not something we should be doing. 
and they did not respond to the attacks. Now, the the timing here would be important to know. This speech, this was after killing Soleimani, but before the Iranians fired the missiles at the U.S. bases? Exactly correct, yes, yes, yes. Hmm. Well, maybe maybe subconsciously or unconsciously, he he just had doubts because it was a bit of a gambit uh, yeah. when you think of it. Because we're told that previous administrations, or at least Susan Rice, the um, I believe she was national security advisor in the Obama administration, when she was asked, you know, why they didn't take out Soleimani, they said that they thought it was too big a risk. Although I've heard that they simply didn't have the intelligence. I've heard from other sources that they, they didn't have the intelligence. They didn't, they weren't able to locate him when they needed to. So I don't know. It was a big risk. Maybe his advisors were saying, let's do it. Let's do it. And he was saying, geez, I don't know. This is risky. And then after he did it, he goes, Oh boy, you know, he's, he's on tender hooks. Yeah. I kind of get that feeling from the reversal. And here we have one. I have uh, really have no idea how to explain it, but maybe your guest after me can, Shed some light on this one. Here he is talking about the killing of Soleimani. Soleimani has been perpetrating acts of terror to destabilize the Middle East for the last 20 years. What the United States did yesterday should have been done long ago. A lot of lives would have been saved. Just recently, Soleimani led the brutal repression of protesters in Iran where more than a thousand innocent civilians were tortured and killed by their own government. And here he says that the British hit us. The British hit us. The British hit us. I don't know. Oh, the British hit us. I know. Uh, hang on, look, hang on, look. Let me just play that again. I actually heard that a bit differently this time. I actually heard the British shared us that time. The British hit us. It shared us. Okay, then that makes sense. It shared us. I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, they obviously uh, shared information with the British. Right, right. Huh. So what would we call that? Affirmation or? Yeah, that's what we call an expansive reversal. It gives us extra information. The uh, British were involved in sharing intelligence, I would imagine. Okay. Right, right. Okay. And Who else do we have? Uh, let's look at Pompeo. Well, I'll, like, I'll play this Pompeo one. Um, see, this is also about the British, too. It's Pompeo saying Iran will not get nuclear weapons. Uh, and most of what you suggested in his uh, text message or email or message that you laid out there uh, was indeed uh, Iranian propaganda. It's not new. We've heard these same lies before. Uh, it's fundamentally false. He was not there on a diplomatic vision. Okay, now this is a bit of a metaphor. December Limey urges them. Now, Limey is slang for a British citizen, Limey, a palm. Right, right. December Limey urges them. December Limey urges them. Oh, clear. December Limey urges them. That one's very clear. December yes. Limey urges them. Okay, I think something happened in December. Some sharing of information with the Brits. I think the Brits were involved in pushing them. I've just been informed the Brits have sent a nuclear sub to Iranian waters. So, um. Ah. Okay. Huh? So it sounds like he's, Pompeo is saying in December they received some information. Yes. Uh, exactly about correct. presumably Suleimani from uh, yeah, exactly British intelligence. Correct. Okay. Exactly Limey. Correct. That's interesting. Why he would use that's a rather anti yeah, I know. Well, use that too. I know. <laughs> it's interesting because the forward speech has more to do with 
it has been alleged by a number of sources uh, that the Iraqi prime minister claimed that Soleimani was in Baghdad not to uh, plot more terrorist actions, not to blow up the U.S. embassy or target more U.S. army personnel. He was there at the behest, perhaps, of the Americans to de-escalate the situation between Iran and Saudi Arabia. And so in the forward speech, Pompeo was just dismissing that outwardly, outright, oh, rather. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, Wally, he may say, look, we had British intelligence, the British urged us to go ahead with this. Yeah. Right. Fascinating. Okay. What's next? All right. Great job, by the way. Oh, thank you. Here's a Debbie Wasserman Schultz saying Trump killed Soleimani because of the impeachment. Donald Trump was just impeached a week and a half ago. Here he says, she says, there's so much blood. That's the much blood. That's the much blood. Oh, yeah. Ooh. That's the much blood. Ooh, that's a curdling sound, isn't it? <laughs> Rather, yes. What does that tell us? There's so much blood. Well, that's... Oh, just makes sense. You know, yeah, it makes sense. Happens. But you said something, she said something about impeachment. Yeah, oh, she's talking forward. What she's saying is the whole context of the conversation was ah. Trump killed Soleimani because of the impeachment to uh, draw attention away from it or something. Ah, right, right. Okay. Now, here we have an interesting reversal. Actually, we'll have a couple of them. Mark Esper, Defense Secretary. Yes. So here's the forwards. Uh, Soleimani was caught red-handed on the ground in Baghdad. One terrorist leader of a terrorist organization meeting with another terrorist leader uh, to synchronize and plan additional attacks on American forces, diplomats, or facilities. I think we took the right action to remove these players from the battlefield. Okay. Now, here we have a metaphor. I'll play it, and I'll tell you what it means. See Lucifer Sam. See Lucifer Sam. See Lucifer Sam. Okay, Sam is a common metaphor for the United States, Uncle Sam. Right. See Lucifer Sam. Like, we, uh, it is aggression, anger, power, a negative metaphor. It, it seems to mirror what Trump said about an error. And Mark saying, gee whiz, we're uh, getting a little bit aggressive here. Interesting, so, because, uh, um, because, of course, Iran refers to America as the great Satan. Right, right, I know. But here, he's actually confirming it in his hmm. verse, hmm. which is interesting. It is interesting. Anyway, some interesting findings. I'll say. Uh, here's, uh, here's a straightforward one. Secondly, uh, I'd like to say to our service members and our diplomats in the region that we have your back. Uh, we thoroughly support what you're doing. And here he says, yes, a killer. Yes, a killer. Yes, a killer. Yeah. Yes, a killer. Yeah, I guess he's referring to Solomonani, Mani, Mani, however you pronounce it. Right. Okay. Yes, a killer. Well, not much question about that. So we get it. It's kind of a mixed bag here, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, there was some doubts. I can tell you that. Okay, what I can, I mean, I've still got more versus play if I've got time, but what I'm construing from all of this is there's some doubt about the action. They were pressured by the Brits, or maybe pressure is too strong a word. Information was shared with the Brits, although urges them is pretty strong, isn't it? So, right, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, interesting bag. And here we have uh, uh, Mark Esper again. The commanders in the region, and I should say globally, are taking all appropriate force protection measures. And here he simply says they broke the law. They broke the law. They broke the law. They broke the law. I guess he's talking about Iran. Presumably. Well, these, you know, I, 
you and I have been doing this for a while, and and uh, I've heard you know probably a hundred reversals uh, or more from you by now, more than that, probably hundreds of reversals. I don't ever remember them being this this clear, this grade A. Yeah, they're pretty good reversals. Yeah, they certainly are. And I must, and I must say, I had some help with these with one of my, uh, with one of my analysts, and uh, Naomi Longson found some of these. So, well, do- well please pass along my um, my uh, thanks to Naomi because you've done a great job here. I, I I I was a little bit worried I may might have put you on the spot, but you you, you well, no, rose to the occasion. Well, I've always come through for you, Richard. You have, and you always do. You always do. Well, but the thing is, you could go through, you could go through hours and hours and find nothing, right? No. Yeah. Look, I was doing a Trump speech last night for the show today, and it was a half an hour speech, and I found one reversal that wasn't even clear enough for airplay, you know, so. There you go. It it, it gets frustrating sometimes, you know, you've got to spend a lot of time with the headphones on. But yeah, you know, look, it all pays off, you know, and we always get great results. And uh, um, you know, I I hope that in all the shows I've done with you, people are starting to see that there's something to this. Well, know? based on the feedback, people are absolutely enthralled. Uh, David, oh, the, we have wonder. time for a couple. We have time for a couple more. Yeah. Okay. Here we have uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz again. Allow Ukraine to interfere in the presidential election in 2020. That's outrageous, and I think that has a lot to do with what this is attack was about. And this one says definite rape. Definite rape. Definite rape. Yeah. Yeah, she feels it was an attack. It was a rape. All right. And again, trying to tie it to the impeachment. That's right. Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah. Here's Here's Trump. Uh, oh, that one's already open. I thought I didn't play that. Soldiers back home, I will say that we have had tremendous support from the people of Iraq. Here he says, it's an ambush. It's an ambush. It's an ambush. It's an ambush. Well, it was an ambush, wasn't it? That's how they killed him. Right, so, right. So that's just straightforward, really. Now, uh, I know you don't speak Farsi, uh, but it would be, oh, it would be interesting to hear some Iranian reversals. Oh, I know. Well, see, this is where we need a whole bunch of people of bilingual um, to uh, get involved in reverse speech. You know, it's uh, it's unfortunately it's still such a very young field. You know. Well, eventually you'll have you'll have uh, proteges all over the world, and you could reach out to them with a call. You know, you'll have a, a an Iranian an Iranian uh, bureau and a J- Japanese bureau, and you'll you'll be able to call, and they'll. They'll uh, they'll do the reversal and you'll have the result. Now, if you did a reversal uh, in, I think I've asked you this before, but just remind me. Now, let's right. say someone is speaking Farsi, right. and they do the reversal. Uh, the reversal would also be in Farsi, presumably, or would it be would it be in English? No, was it speaking? Okay, if they have some knowledge of English, you will get a few reversals in English, but the, but the main reversal will be in Farsi. Uh, so, uh, see, it depends. See, it also depends on how well they speak the second language. Is how many reversals that you'll get in, uh, right. in that language. Right. And is it if uh, if you were fluent in this in another language, David? And maybe you are. I don't know. But if you were, let's yeah. say you spoke French. I mean, it, are you getting the same quality reversals in another language? Yes, we are. Yes, yeah. we are. 
yeah, yeah, yes, we are. Look, there's still got so much more work to do in that whole area, you know, but uh, yes, we are. Uh, we're also finding the same metaphors in other languages too. So well, uh, I guess they're universal, aren't they? Yeah, I, I believe we're tapping into a universal collective unconscious. You know. David, uh, outstanding job. Again, um, oh, reverse speech radio. Still, uh, I, You've been in hiatus for a little while. Is that, That's coming back? Yes, that's coming back next week. Yes. Oh, excellent. Yes. All yes, right. So, hiatus over over the Christmas New Year period. So. Okay. So, reverse speech radio dot dot com. Reverse speech radio dot dot com, or they can go to reverse speech dot ca and uh, just scroll down, and you'll see an old radio. Just click on that, and it'll take you right there. David, thank you so much. Thanks, Richard. Appreciate it, mate. We'll talk next month. When we come back, retired U.S. Army Lieutenant Colonel Bob McGinnis uh, will reveal what he believes is going on in Iran. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show right after this. Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarek. Welcome back. Retired U.S. Army Lieutenant Colonel Bob McGinnis graduated from the U.S. Military Academy, the Naval Postgraduate School, the Command and General Staff College, the Defense Language School, and the Army War College's Strategy Course. He's an Airborne Ranger, Infantry Officer with service in four infantry in four infantry divisions on three continents. Once retired from the U.S. Army, he joined the Family Research Council, where he rose to be the Vice President for Policy before returning to the Pentagon 16 years ago. He's the author of Future War, The Deeper State, Alliance of Evil, and his latest, Progressive Evil. Lieutenant Colonel Robert McGinnis, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me, Richard. Right out of the chute, I'd like your take on the actual targeting of Qasim Soleimani. Uh, was it a good idea or was it ill-advised? We've been trying to uh, kill Soleimani for a long time, we and the Israelis and others in the region. Um, this, because of his higher profile recently uh, and some pretty bad uh, operational security on his part, uh, we picked up his trail. Uh, we tracked him as he left uh, Damascus and flew to Baghdad. Uh, there were evidently um, informants that uh, told us that he was boarding the, the Cham Wings Airbus A320 at a particular time and would arrive in Baghdad. Uh, that alerted people on the ground there in Baghdad um, to, you know, watch where he. Uh, got into a car and the path of that car. Uh, it would appear that, uh, like other places, we had a drone that was prepared to track the car. And at the appropriate point when they were in a deserted part of the airport leaving for Baghdad, four Hellfire missiles rained down on two vehicles, destroying both, and he was inside of one of them. There are, there are so many conflicting reports it's hard to separate the wheat from the chaff. But let me uh, throw out a couple of scenarios that have surfaced. One is that he was, Qasim Soleimani was in Iraq on a peace mission. And uh, this apparently ha has come from the Iraqi prime minister who said that Soleimani came there to de-escalate the, uh, the conflict between Saudi Arabia 
and Iran. Uh, I believe the Prime Minister was also quoted as saying he came there at the United States' behest. Uh, and Pompeo, the Secretary of State, uh, Mike Pompeo, has completely dismissed that. Have you, have you heard those reports, and where would that come from? Did the Iraqi Prime Minister say that? No, I doubt it. Uh, of course, the Iraqis... Uh uh, in the in that particular culture, they'll say one thing and then uh, behind the scenes say something very different. Uh, that reflects what uh, President Trump said the other day. You know, the the the, op, the modus operandi of uh, Soleimani was you know to instigate insurgencies around the world, mostly in the Middle East. He trained you know, Yemeni Houthis. He trained, uh, obviously, Hezbollah. Uh, he worked with a, a number of uh, allies in Syria. Obviously, the Shiite and militias uh, in, in, in Iran or in Iraq and elsewhere. Uh, he, I, I would completely reject out of hand any suggestions that he was a, a peace emissary. You know, that's not what this man did. He was the second most powerful man in Iran, did the, the bidding of the uh, Grand Ayatollah Ali Khomeini, uh, and did things in a way that would not suggest that he was ever interested in anything other than the expansion of the Shia crescent all the way to the Mediterranean and the destruction of Israel. The, uh, the contrarian point of view that has also come out is that he was uh, there possibly to target the uh, the U.S. Embassy again, but also it has been suggested he may have been there to stage a coup against the Iraqi president. Have you heard that? Yeah. Uh, certainly the Iraqis have not had terribly stable governments, uh, and we saw you know, the real divide a week ago when the parliament met, only the Shia showed up, the Sunni and Kurds stayed home, and then they, of course, voted on a non-binding resolution to dismiss the U.S. from Iraq and ask them to leave. And, of course, the prime minister is promoting that idea. Uh, the idea that Iran could go in and uh, foster a coup is not out of the question, but I don't think that you, know, you would find the Sunnis and the Kurds sitting by more. And keep in mind, a lot of the Shia there... Uh, are, are truly Iraqi patriots. They you know, will take some assistance from you know, Tehran, uh, but they don't like to be told what to do by that outside power. Uh, we're told that Soleimani had been uh, targeted in the, in, in the past by previous administrations, the Obama administration, the uh, George W. Bush administration, but they never pulled the trigger because they were fearful, I guess, that it might ignite some more widespread conflict. So why why now? Well, I would argue that under Bush and under Obama, uh, the intelligence on Soleimani was not always that good. Uh, he is uh, a master of deception and a master of keeping a low profile. Uh, but at age 62, apparently, over the last year, he has become incredibly bold and, you know, even giving interviews and his whereabouts was much easier to track as evidenced by uh, the takedown last last week. Uh, so, you know, it, it's it's an interesting theory. I don't I don't embrace it. Uh, what do you say to the, the critics who say 
Suleimani was fighting ISIS. He was fighting ISIS in Syria. He was fighting ISIS in Iraq. Sometimes, you know, the enemy uh, of your enemy is your friend, and we've made those sorts of bargains in the past. Uh, what do you say to them that why would we target uh, someone who's killing ISIS? Well, I agree he was killing ISIS. Uh, and, you know, one of the things that President Trump said at his speech on Wednesday morning this past week was that, you know, we should be working together. And he made a reference to the ISIS fight. Uh, but at the same time, keep in mind, you know, that uh, they're pushing against a very important interests that we have in the region. You know, they arm and foist Hezbollah to keep the pressure in the north of Israel. They arm uh, Islamic Jihad and Hamas out of Gaza, and there's a constant flow uh, of you know, terrorists, uh, obviously rockets, uh, from that area. Uh, they foster and supply the Houthis that uh, keep the Saudis on their toes. Uh, and, of course, then they are constantly harassing shipping in the Gulf, uh, the Persian Gulf, as well as the Strait of Hormuz. Uh, and then, of course, what they're doing as well in Syria and Iraq. So uh, the the whole idea that we could work with them, yes, we could, if they would stop, as President Trump has says, doing all the rest of this stuff. Uh, and, of course, uh, they're even in our own hemisphere, and in Venezuela, Nicaragua, uh, a few other places uh, with Hezbollah, and they're... Of course, earning money through drugs, but they're also training people to do things that uh, we don't appreciate. So, yeah, it's I buy the idea, but I reject it primarily because there there isn't sufficient evidence that they would back down from doing the other nefarious things they're they're guilty of. Uh, I was watching uh, Tucker Carlson not too long ago, and. Uh, he made, I thought, was a very valid point. I'd like to get your feelings about this, your thoughts. Why should we trust the intelligence that says one thing or the other when just, you know, for the last two years we've been, been bemoaning the fact uh, that the intelligence apparatus has been used in what might, one might describe as a, a soft coup attempt against the president? Yeah, I, I do listen to Tucker as well, and, and I understand uh, the concern there. And it has been, obviously, the law enforcement, and some people would argue that even the CIA you know, was culpable in you know, helping to feed you know, uh, the Russian hoax and this you know, number of other scandals. I would argue, though, that uh, when we're talking about yeah, the type of intelligence that is involved with regard to the likes of Iran, North Korea, um, and China, not as much Russia, that uh, you know, the president who gets briefed regularly and the people that uh, operate based upon that intelligence have found it uh, pretty reliable in spite of you know, the portion that you articulate as being, you know, sort of out of control. It doesn't mean that it couldn't be uh, misused, uh, but I suspect that uh, we're, we're watching close enough and don't believe that it was misused in a way as we've seen in the past. All right, uh, uh, Bob, just hold on. We'll take a quick time out, come back. We'll talk about the, uh, the downing of the Ukrainian airliner and more. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Robert McGinnis here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Thank you. 
take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Retired Lieutenant Colonel Robert McGinnis is with us here on The Conspiracy Show. The retaliation from the Iranians and the, the targeting of uh, two military bases with their uh, ballistic missiles inside Iraq, much has been made of the fact that there were no casualties. How much of that has to do with early warning uh, systems, and how much of that has to do with the fact that the Iranians were very uh, wary about crossing Trump's red line, which was harming Americans? Yeah, I think it's a combination. Uh, likely, it was sort of a demonstration by the Iranians saying, look, we have these missiles, we can reach out and touch where your uh, troops are, and they're so accurate that we can, uh, we're not going to shed blood, but we are going to uh, get your attention. Now, clearly, we had plenty of uh, head start. You know, as tensions ratchet up, we have sensors you know, in, the, in orbit. We have sensors uh, flying, you know, and looking at both the air and the ground. And we have electronic sensors and a variety of capabilities uh, that were just, you know, lighting up the entire western part of Iran. So we knew when the launch was taking place and we saw uh, them preparing uh, to launch. And so that, of course, gave us plenty of notice. Uh, we hustled people to you know, protective facilities, you know, sent you know, aircraft away and did a variety of things that you would normally do if you're thinking you know, you're going to come under attack. And you know, it was successful. All they ended up doing is uh, a little harm to uh, a few you know, structural facilities and obviously killed or wounded no one. To what extent were they symbolic? Because the two bases, one was in Kurdish territory and one, I believe, was in Sunni held territory. I could be incorrect about that second one. There was a closer. No, there is an El Ambar province. You're ah, right. Okay, so th there was, there is a base much closer to the Iranian border that they could would have been easier to strike. So, is there any symbolism there? I think so. You know, like I said last weekend. Uh, the vote in the parliament uh, was along party lines. Uh, the Shia voted to uh, expel the U.S. and the Sunnis and the Kurds stayed at home uh, because they, you know, have a, have good reason to want the U.S. to to remain. And of course, it's a non-binding resolution. So uh, going after the Kurds, that's nothing new for the Iranians. There's plenty of Iranian militia in the north, uh, and then of course going after the Sunni, which has always been a, an antagonist uh, to the Shia. Uh, it's nothing new either. So uh, I wasn't surprised. That, and, of course, that's why we have located our personnel in those regions, because it's more friendly to us than, than the Shia population and much less the Iranians. I don't know if you're free to speak about this, but to what extent is your day-to-day your -day work now involved uh, with the Iranian situation? I deal with international uh, security issues. Um, all over the world, uh, you know, this would be uh, tangential to the types of things that that I would be interested in. Uh, but you're in, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, uh, you're in communication, regular communication with uh, colleagues uh, for whom this is uh, sort of central to their their uh, their present concern. Yeah, 
any time U.S. forces are engaged in hostile activities, um, I have a vested interest, and I try to monitor that and have contact with the appropriate people. Uh when we uh, we're going to take a break here in about a minute and a half, and I, I do want to talk about the downing of the Ukrainian uh, airliner. Uh, I, I just wanted to talk about. We'll start the conversation now and continue it after the break, and that has to do with President Trump's uh, promises uh, to to bring troops home. I, I s- sincerely believe his base would would like him to do that. I believe he would like to do that. Uh, he was, you know, he wanted to, to bring troops home from Afghanistan. He announced it and then did a, a reversal. Uh, what is the situation? The Iraqi parliament has voted. You know, they've asked the United States to, to, to pull their troops out. Uh, what's going to happen there? We'll probably stay there for for the term, uh, certainly through the election, uh, if not longer. Uh, though I would personally like to see us pull out of Iraq and Afghanistan, there there are reasons why you know, some of the commanders want us to stay at least with a uh, a small footprint in Afghanistan, and you know, so that we can have an anti-terrorist uh, capability close to the source and to keep the likes of Al Qaeda and ISIS and others uh, under wraps. And then, of course, in Iraq, uh, just because of ISIS, if ISIS uh, were to disappear tomorrow, uh, then the justification for remaining there uh, would begin to dwindle. So I suspect that uh, there are some preconditions, uh, but I do anticipate the administration would love to get out but won't uh, accept will downsize uh, both elements. Uh, we have about 5,200 in Iraq. You know, right now about 12,000 in Afghanistan. I can see you know, those numbers diminishing in the coming year. We'll take a quick time out here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Shaking the world and seeing what falls... This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Lieutenant Colonel Robert McGinnis is with us. Give me your overall impressions, if you could, on the Iranian shooting down of the Ukrainian airliner, which killed all 176 aboard, including 57 Canadian citizens. It was interesting that, uh, of course, they lied about it yeah, and then within a few hours, they apologized. Uh, that's quite a reversal for a you know, authoritarian regime to do that. But uh, the the evidence was incredibly compelling, and of course, we had shared it with a number of allies and friends uh, that you know, also uh, came to the forefront and announced. Uh, their concern, you know, it it really revealed uh, a lot of Iranian weaknesses, uh, which was, I think, rather embarrassing to the IRGC. Much less, you know, you can ask where in the world was the irregular Iranian army and air defense systems. Uh, evidently, IRGC is all they have. That's quite a revelation, and I would argue the Israelis uh, were salivating at the thought that, you know, maybe this adversary isn't as tough as they've been promoted as being. But uh, the blame is going to come down on the IRGC's aerospace force chief. Uh, the general will, you know, bite the bullet and uh, of course, he's already put out a statement. He said, look, my guys only had 10 seconds to decide to shoot down. 
and um, their systems were being jammed probably by the U.S., and, of course, they never said anything about why they didn't talk to civilian air controllers, which were very close to where this SA-15 was sitting and watching uh, to the west, anticipating an attack from uh, U.S. in response to what, of course, had happened um, hours before when they you know, sent those rockets at al-Assad as well as Erbil. So it's it's an interesting uh, phenomenon. It's, it's a sad uh, outcome, and of course, it stirred the Iranian people appropriately because almost everybody on there was Iranian in one way or another, at least related to Iranians. And uh, they're calling for uh, major changes. I'm not sure the Ayatollah is going to be removed, but uh, certainly it's going to shake up the IRGC and the Quds Force. Uh, you mentioned that it, it revealed the weakness of the uh, Iranian air def- defense system. Is that a direct result, do you believe, of the sanctions? No. No, I, I think this is more endemic. Uh, you know, poor training, poor discipline, poor command and control, uh, poor target uh, identification. Uh, they they have obviously didn't even uh, understand the flight path of civilian airliners uh, in the vicinity in which they put these SA-15s. You know, everybody was on high alert. There's no question about it, and they were trigger happy because they fully anticipated an attack. Uh, we fooled them. We did not attack, and as a result, uh, you know, some young person probably, you know, in a tense moment, thought that, you know, he better fire which he did. And once you fire, you can't turn it off. It's not one of those you know, types of systems that you can you know, abort uh, easily because that's not what the Russians made when they made the SA-15 back in the 70s. So, you know, I, I think the the big winner here, uh, believe it or not, is Israel uh, because, you know, they, as I indicated, they saw some significant weaknesses in the air defense system uh, of the Iranians and, of course, uh, your listeners will remember what the Israelis did in 07 against the Syrian reactor and 81 against uh, the Iraqi reactor. And, of course, uh, they're concerned about uh, Iran's you know, flaming accusations that they're going to wipe Israel off the face of the earth and the whole idea that they might have uh, ballistic missiles and a nuclear weapon to do that, you know, ratchets up the concern in Israel that maybe, you know, we see a vulnerability. Maybe we could, in fact, get in and and knock out uh, some of their key sites. After all, what was it, April 18, in which um, Netanyahu announced to the world uh, the trove uh, of intelligence they scarfed up from a warehouse in Tehran that showed that the Iranians were in fact working on a nuclear program far more advanced than we previously thought. So these things all come to the advantage, I think, of the Israelis. And um, so they're rather thankful for the revelations that came to bear here in the last week. Uh, it sounds like you're ruling out the possibility that the Iranians shot that airliner down on purpose. Is that accurate? Yeah, I don't think that they would have done that. Um, you know, in the terrible domestic political situation they have, having killed 1,500 of their own people, I do not see any justification or rationale, even a good conspiracy, you know, as to why. Because there was nobody aboard that that was 
uh, had seniority or an intelligence operator, uh, operative or anything else that uh, has come out to suggest that you know, there would be any nefarious reason to down the aircraft just to get uh, one or a number of people out of the way. So I, I truly think it ends up being just a, a terrible, tragic mistake uh, by a poorly coordinated and run air defense system, much like what we saw with the Malaysian airliner in 14, uh, the Russians against the Koreans in 83, and our own mistake against the Iranian aircraft in 88 in the Persian Gulf. Then what should be the appropriate response uh, to what was an accidental shooting down of a plane in the in the, the fog of war, if I can use that, uh, that old chestnut? Uh, what's the appropriate response? Well, I think they started, and that is they apologized, which surprised me and I'm sure a lot of people. Uh, they have to pay compensation to the families. Uh, they have to uh, obviously demonstrate that they're going to put on trial uh, after the investigation people that they find uh, at fault uh, if there was gross negligence uh, and there's a crime committed then you know the appropriate people should be punished certainly heads should roll you know you have 176 passengers and crew that are dead as a direct result of this so-called mistake um, you just can't tolerate that as a nation and and i think the demonstrations uh, today and over the weekend in tehran and elsewhere in iran demonstrate that you know, the Ayatollah is under a lot of heat, and he's going to have to do something to appease that. There were images coming out of uh, Iran today uh, of Iranian students who refused to walk over the American and Israeli flags that uh, were painted on the sidewalks. Were you heartened by that? I was. Um, you know, I, I, the president, in his speech last Wednesday, the very... The first thing he said when he got up there is says Iran's never going to have a nuclear weapon while it's on, on his watch. The last thing that he said is a message to the people of Iran. He says, I want you to have a great future. Uh, he wants, I want you to embrace peace. And so that was encouraging. And then, of course, earlier today he sent out uh, a tweet to the Iranian people in Farsi saying, you know, I, I, I encourage you uh, to uh, you know, do the things that will bring you know, peace to your land. You know, I encourage you to work with your government uh, and you know, try to resolve uh, the differences because we as a people uh, can work together. Uh, so, you know, I know this must really befuddle uh, the Democrats who are great, you know, critics of Mr. Trump, but, you know, he's shown incredible restraint over the last week. And here we have, uh, as you indicate, Richard, you know, Iranians are refusing to stamp on our flag and the Israeli flag. And why? Because the enemy is within, not without. And they're beginning to see that. And I think to a certain degree, it's because of the restraint that we've shown. Uh, Robert, we've got about 30 seconds here. Um, I just want to let people know about uh, Future War, The Deeper State, Alliance of Evil, and Progressive Evil. Where can they get a hold of these uh, books? They're all on Amazon, and uh, I, I welcome them to you know, read them and you know, send me their questions, or we can have a discussion on my Facebook page. It's under my name. 
And we've linked up to your Facebook page uh, at strangeplanet.ca conspiracy show. Uh, Bob, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Richard. Open lines are next, and for the full hour, right here on The Conspiracy Show, my name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away. <laughs> 